Hi everybody, your dungeon manager Jamie here. Normally, every week we do a special episode tying back to the movie we watched, where we discuss how the fiction of that movie world can be related to the role-playing games that we all love and play. But given what's going on in the world right now with protests and a lot of public action and collective action movements going on, people are understandably raw and upset about the injustices that we're seeing that have led to these protests. And we didn't feel like it was entirely appropriate to live too much in the fantasy of games without talking about how fantasy and games have real roles in our lives and have real impacts on the people who engage with them. If you listen to our podcast at all, you probably know that we don't see a divide between fantasy movies and the real world in terms of the themes and the stories that are being told somehow being disconnected from reality. If anything, the more we watch fantasy movies and play fantasy games, the more we realize how intimately political the messages of these films are. Almost every fantasy movie we've covered on the show, by coincidence or just by the fact that fantasy creators do this on purpose, have had deeply political messages about uprisings, about standing up against injustice, about the downtrodden being lifted up through their actions. And oftentimes those stories are told through a singular perspective, but have larger implications and ramifications for the world in the fiction and for our own reality. So with that being the case, we thought we would make this week's normally patron-exclusive episode free to everyone who wants to listen, and we thought it was important to talk about how we see fantasy possibly influencing reality and how we as consumers of fantasy media might want to imagine a new world that is possible if some of the change that people are calling for right now gets enacted. If we're able to lift people up if we're able to see the world through some new perspectives and new lenses, and maybe think a little bit more deeply about how the media we consume tells a story about us. Because at the end of the day, media is about storytelling, at least the media that we like here at Swords and Satire, and we assume that a lot of you like the same stuff if you're a regular listener and a fantasy fan. And you've probably imagined the world changing in subtle or even significant ways when watching a fantasy movie. Or maybe you've lived through the characters of a film vicariously, or however you want to say it, and imagined yourself being stronger through the inspiration of a film or a game or a show. The stories that we pick up leave an impact on us. They influence us in subtle ways and in significant ways. And we felt like it would make sense to talk a little bit about how fantasy does influence us, how it does have the potential to change reality. So that's what we did this week, and we hope that you enjoy listening to our thoughts. We hope that you will share your own ideas, and that maybe you'll take some steps in your own life to live out the fantasies that 
you want to see become reality. Yeah, so this week I proposed that we imagine the sequel to the story we're living now. We imagine the story where we we have created a better world for us all. And this would be after, as Jamie mentioned, all of the important hard work people are doing now, politically speaking and socially speaking, in the protests, the social movements, and the political actions of our representatives in government. So this is the world that we can envision for ourselves and truly help us picture our lives in this world as part of this exercise. <laughs> we call it Reality 2, colon... The Bettering. <laughs> That's a good title. So this week I was proposing that instead of imagining the reboot or sequel to The Last Airbender, we imagine the sequel to the story we're all living right now in the real world. Right now we have the story of control and oppression of disenfranchised groups justifiably protesting using their right to peacefully protest against their own oppression and subjugation and the violence being done to them and their allies. So what I'd like to do today is imagine the sequel to this life story that we want to see happen after the one that we're living now. Okay, so set the so set the scene. Bernie Sanders is president. Oh, yeah. Let's just start out right from the get-go. <laughs> <laughs> or is that is that gonna uh is that gonna be too harsh for our listeners? This might be too uh too real. No, I think we should imagine the future we wanna see. Let's just let's just imagine the, the social future. Let's get out of the, the headset of like the state. Let's talk about the people. So one of the first things I wanted to imagine was the current bills that are being presented uh, at congressional hearings right now being signed into law, and so they become acts. And so what we see in the near future is the demilitarization of local law enforcement. Sensitivity training is now mandatory for all law enforcement. And they also have to go through training in cultural relativism and understanding of systematic racism and how it affects all of our lives. These are all bills that are being presented before Congress now. So in our future, they have been signed into law. I'd like to see more emphasis on mental health resources and assessment for people who are going into law enforcement. Probably anger management is a good place to start. I mean, I, I've known people who've been through anger management, and it has been a huge improvement on their lives and their relationships. So what you're, what we're saying in, in this sequel to life... Life, too. <laughs> ...is that with all of these changes, it changes the culture around law enforcement, and law enforcers become being known as true peacekeepers, kind of like how Ong was supposed to be in the movie we watched. And instead of forcing peace, they are now mediators and diplomats first. And so they're truly known as peacekeepers, and it attracts people who want to be in that role over people who want to be in the role of having control over others. I think that's a good start. 
In this life sequel that we're creating, I would also like to see universal healthcare without the need for insurance. Hey, that and seems like it'd go a long way towards preventing a lot of the problems that we're seeing. Not all of them, but I mean, at least some of them. Right. We wouldn't have people losing their homes or livelihoods because of things like pre-existing conditions or unfortunate accidents that can befall anybody. When a community is supposed to be a buffer against the harshness of circumstance rather than what it seems to be, which is an echo chamber of bad feelings towards people who are not quote unquote contributors. Yes. And as we continue, I would like it if people were to keep an open mind and imagine this is the future we could be living in, in our lifetimes. And, and if maybe you lived even, here, you'd be home already. Uh, maybe even close your eyes and, and help us imagine what not, this future could look like. Not if you're listening while driving. Yeah. Don't close your eyes when you're driving. Bad, bad form. Um, let the person in your passenger seat hold the wheel while you close your eyes. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, another important part of this sequel is universal income for everyone. So there would be a minimum universal income so that everyone could provide for their needs and it would eliminate this constant fear that so many people are living under as they wonder if they're going to be able to make their bills to keep a roof over their head or to feed their family. Fun side benefit. If you have any kind of creative thing you want to do, pursuing art or writing or even something crazy like podcasting, this would help with that. And you would have an outlet for that creativity. In this future, artists are supported in this way and, and other creators are supported. And we get to see many more creative ideas put into the collective consciousness. It's almost like art is an important part of life that makes all of our lives better. And everyone enjoys some type of art or creativity and should be like wanting the people who create that stuff to um, have a livelihood and to keep creating that art. Crazy thought, I know, but... And so as we peruse the internet, as we walk down the street, we get to experience these amazing things that people created, whether it's artwork or their own inventions or new stories. And we all get to experience and share this creativity with each other in this sequel. And people don't have to live in constant fear that their basic needs aren't going to be met. Huh, that sounds like a healthy option, unlike most of the options we see, which are often psychologically damaging. So in this future, it's life that is put before profit. And well, now we, you're just talking crazy. We hold life, not just human life, all life to be more important than intangible wealth that... Or tangible things. Right, or objects. I mean, like, just products is what I mean. Like, obviously, we're, we're saying art and creativity are important. And we're not proposing a world with no cell phones and TVs and all of those stuff. We're proposing a world where those things are supplemental to everyone being taken care of. Yes, and finding fulfillment in connecting with each other whatever, in any way that you're able to do that and connecting to yourself through a creative outlet of some type. Whatever that is, it could be building something. It could be 
fine art, it could be writing, it could be podcasting. It, it can take many different forms. It doesn't just have to be the traditional idea that you might have with creativity in terms of just producing artwork. There are many different ways to be creative. Yeah, and there's this weird, incredibly short-sighted idea that if people have their needs met, then they will stop producing anything, which is just insane because, you know, we can we can see like going back to our earliest ancestors, it's when communities start to come together and people start to have more free time away from the essential needs of like maintaining your home and procuring food and everything. That's when creativity starts to come out in human societies. It's when people have more free time, not less free time. That's not, we're not more productive because we're just like constantly busy and stressed. We're more productive when we have more time to stop and think and go, Oh, you know, we've got these fibers. Maybe these could be a cool basket. That's when things start getting made and produced and art and technology are pushed forward when people have more psychic space, not less psychic space. That is a lie sold to you by the people who want to sell your labor. And you can quote me on that. <laughs> and there's more that can be included in this sequel that we might all want to imagine. And we invite you to share your own thoughts on what our life sequel can look like. And I know that there's more that can be said and a lot of these ideas can that we presented could be pushed even further. But maybe that would be for the third part of the trilogy. <laughs> That's right. That's when things get really cool. Yeah. That's when we all have rocket boots. <laughs> and rent is just outlawed and people can't parasitically feed off of the lives of others. We'll see. <laughs> and, you know, we know that there's a lot of perspectives out there and there's a lot of ideas and that we might not all see eye to eye, but we hope that at the bare minimum, we can all recognize that the things that affect us affect everyone around us and our attitudes contribute to the kind of general feelings of people around us and that we have an effect on each other. Yeah, and our perspective about reality shapes reality around us. So our ability to imagine a different reality will help it take shape around us as we act differently and, and we want different things. Yeah. So those were some of our thoughts. But who are we? We're a couple of late 30-somethings who've been made cynical and callous due to the harsh reality that we've had to live for our many decades of life but we wanted to hear hey, from Hey, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but we wanted to hear from somebody young and idealistic who still has the fiery passion of life and cares about what the future will be because they will actually get to see some of it. <laughs> yeah, so we reached I reached out to Jack and I gave him a prompt for what we were doing for this special episode and asked him to send us his ideas for what the sequel to our story would look like. And he took a very subjective approach, but it's a story of his life and his children's life, but it has implications 
beyond that subjective narrative. For a world that would be better for us all through the lens of a protagonist of sorts. <laughs> Which is fitting since we're a movie podcast and movies tend to focus on individuals just due to kind of the convention of the filmmaking. I'd like to see some of that change in the future. But, you know, as it stands, it's kind of the shorthand that we're all the most familiar with in television and films. I was just kidding about all the not seeing the future stuff. I plan to live forever. <laughs> but so here's Jack's thoughts in response to the prompt. What is the future that you imagine for yourself? So, a sequel to my life, eh? Or a part two to my story? I suppose it should be in the future when I'm already settled down. I have a nice apartment in Upper San Francisco, perhaps, the way you see single people do in movies and TV shows. For some reason, I have a very nice luxury apartment by myself. My job is indescript. I have some sort of passive income, which allows me to spend a lot of time raising my adopted, all-encompassing ethnicity child. For this child will be the future of America. Yes. I will spend my time teaching this young child logic and rhetoric like the ancient Greeks. I will essentially be a stoa to this child and I will teach them the ways of the ancient Greeks, of the Buddhists, of the Christians, and they will grow up to be a wise, learned, well-spoken individual. Around their... High school years, they will be the head of the debate team. They will be class president, of course. And they will, above all else, accept failure. And their own insecurities will be areas that they will work upon to improve and parts of themselves that they accept. In addition to this, they will know that their insecurities and the places where they fall short or have weaknesses are areas where friends are some of the greatest tools we can have. And he will assemble himself, or she will assemble herself, a group of people who, or just actually, they will assemble themselves, a group of people who will be supportive of them where they are not very proficient or strong. With this group, they shall go on to different colleges, but stay in touch through a club that they each manage together, a political activism group where they encourage young people to go out, speak out, and actually motivate themselves to do things in person, such as rally, encourage others to go out and vote, and do protests like the ones we are encountering now in 2020. They will stand up for different social movements, which I've been training my adopted child, whoever they may be, to believe in since they were a young person. Ideas such as violence is never an option. Don't even think about it when it comes up in your mind because it's something you can't do just like you cannot walk through a wall and you cannot slip into the earth as if it were water. Violence just isn't an option. So what do you do? You think creatively and that is the sort of mindset that this child would spread to others. Of course, I am not perfect. In this world, my child is more perfect than I am. So they teach me just as much as I teach them. And that inspires me that their wisdom will be the wisdom required to save the world. In addition to this nonviolent way of life that they're trying to spread, 
They, of course, are not the first to think of nonviolent protest, but they will focus heavily on separating police from military. They will often reflect on the quote that William Adama says in Battlestar Galactica, there is a reason you separate military and the police. One fights the enemies of the state, the other serves and protects the people. When the military becomes both, then the enemy of the state tend to become the people. They will reflect on this and decide that the police should be trained in ways of compassion and debate and rhetoric themselves in order to tone down stressful or potentially violent, dangerous situations. They will be armed with things like protective body armor and riot shields in order to focus more on defense than offense and will have more non-lethal forms of taking people down. Of course, the first question is, how are police going to protect themselves even with those when citizens are going to have guns? Well, of course they won't. One of the main things that my adopted child will do is try to save the world from citizens with guns. And there will be a systematic taking of the guns or donating of the guns, and perhaps there will be a tax write-off or some sort of stimulus check for those who do give up their firearms. In a world without guns and police who are actually trained to help people, perhaps even with psychiatry degrees, so they can help people in stressful situations, there will be less violence in the culture of American people. My child will, of course, as well, after dealing with the violent culture of the United States, be able to deal with foreign affairs as they served in the Salvation Army for a number of years while they were in college. This allows them to be an ambassador for the U.S. for a number of years in multiple countries. After reflecting on this period of life, my child will see that there are ways that capitalism can be improved on, and of course this is no new idea either. But this of course is not unique to my child. And economics has never been one of my child's strong suits, so they are forced to gather a team of people that they trust to figure out ways that could stably change America's capitalist system to provide for the poor while redistributing the wealth from the rich in a way that does not provoke the rich to leave the country. After all this has happened and my child has been exposed to the many cultures and the many people around the world and being an ambassador, my child sees potential in the United Nations where other people have not had faith before. And they work with the nations that they have been ambassadors for to develop a stronger United Nations that is able to stop systematic oppression, prevent wars, and seek to provide for those who cannot stand up for themselves all across the world. And the United Nations is formed into a force of good in the world rather than a council meant to threaten those who would come to blows. In the end, guns have been banned from the United States, and they are the leading front for countries all over the world to start doing similar things if they have not already. America has given up its very strict conservative capitalist ways and started seeking ways to help its population as a whole using justice and equity in order to support those who are targeted by an unequal system. America will look at the reasons for poverty and tackle those instead of just trying to put out the fires they've already started. In addition to this, 
A new philosophy is spread across the world where people will look out for each other and stand up for one another. Instead of having their minds focused on profit and being motivated by how much money they can make, they instead give food to the poor and see everyone else as an individual rather than a statistic, so they will take care of each other. This is a world where poverty will be tackled before entertainment. And by this I mean poor families will be able to live in a nice house and be able to eat nice meals and develop healthy relationships with their family members rather than spending the little money they have on fast food while billions of dollars are spent on pointless films like Minions or the Emoji Movie. Entertainment will no longer be valued over human lives, but enjoyed wherever it is found. And in my twilight days, I dreaded seeing people go out to colonize the planets in their spaceships, on their colonies, in their biodomes, if you will. I used to dread those days when people would go off to colonize other planets, billionaires would, while there are people starving and dying of disease on Earth. But in this world, my child has convinced the world to take care of where it lives before it moves on to somewhere else. So, there is a bright future on these other planets, such as Mars and the Moon, where they are getting new colonies, because they know that they come from a place that is mature and wise, and has taken care of its own, and it will take care of the generations to come. Great stuff. Yeah, I thought that was really fascinating. He went through all of the stages of life almost for his child and himself. That was fascinating. Yeah, it was it was a real uh crawls on four legs in the morning, walks on two legs in the afternoon and walks on three legs in the evening. Evening uh story, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean I don't think we would all describe, you know, the issues in exactly the same way, but it was interesting to hear his perspective on it. And what do we know? We're a bunch of olds. <laughs> He's the one with his finger on the pulse of reality right now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, this is what this process is all about is... Maybe it comes across as idealistic, but with the exercise we're doing, that is kind of fitting. So, yeah. And I mean, if, you know, there's a lot of people who want to live in a world like that, and there's a lot of people who don't, and that's totally fine. It's an imaginative exper experiment where we're just kind of exploring our own feelings. And, you know, it's totally fine to have different perspectives. I, I really liked that. Jack's future emphasized nonviolence. Yeah. I I practice nonviolence in my own life too. Yeah, and I also liked how it emphasized changing capitalism. I mean, I I would um imagine a future where capitalism is a thing of the past, but you know, those things have to happen in incremental stages. So. Yeah, it's going to go the way of the unicorn if you know what I'm saying. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when we wiped out all the unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> Some would say they're not wiped out. They're just living in a different part of reality. That sounds about right. <laughs> but yeah, I really liked, um, you know, hearing what he had to say and how he'd like to see things change in his opinion for the better. I mean, that is really the root of 
fantasy and to a larger extent like role playing in general role playing games allow people to imagine themselves in a situation that is different from their own and i think that's a huge part of the appeal of a lot of the games that we play whether they're video games computer games i mean i think rpgs especially where you are called upon to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and perspectives and people do that in different ways some people are mostly interested in the combat in role-playing games. Some people are interested in the character development or the portrayal of other personalities. And yeah, the acting aspect of it in a group setting. Yeah, and it's all totally valid. And there's also the storytellers, people who love to push the narrative forward. Yeah, exactly. I think that really what we want to impart upon everybody this week is to be that storyteller in your own life, to push your own narrative forward and to see how the world reacts and changes to the things that you do. It can be, and I think to some extent should be, on a very local level. If you can change your neighborhood by organizing a community group, if you can change even just your home, you are showing your capacity to change things. If you can change your own mind, even better. If you can see things in a different way or if you can increase your own capacity for empathy and imagine what other people are going through in times like this that are where people are hurting so badly, where people want change. If you can put yourself into that headspace of understanding where the desire for change is coming from, I think you will be doing yourself and your community a huge service. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, the process of going through the role play experience and putting yourself in that character's shoes and interacting with the other players helps you develop that empathy, no matter where you are on that empathy spectrum. Sure. No matter where you start from, it can increase your capacity for it. Absolutely. And, you know, I I want to take it back for a second to the movie that we watched this week, The Last Airbender, since that is, to some extent, what we started this whole conversation talking about and then blew up into larger global context, and we just couldn't not talk about those things. But, <laughs> you know, say what you will about the movie, Ong experiences an apotheosis of some sorts. He goes from re-entering the world, uncertain of his own place, but with a concept of his destiny, for lack of a better word. He experiences new things by meeting new people, by going out into the world and seeing the pain that has been caused by the Fire Nation's actions. And I'm sure that the television show does this in a much better way. That's not the point here. The themes of the movie can still be applied to the broader perspective and to our lives in interesting ways. Ong meets a dragon spirit. He meets villagers who are oppressed. He meets a foe who doesn't really need to be his enemy in Prince Zuko, but they are at odds early on and maybe throughout the entire film, but there's clearly an indication that these two enemies can work together. They can fight side by side and raise each other up. Yeah, towards the end of the movie, Ong tells Prince Zuko, you know, we could be friends. Yeah, I think that's sweet. And I, I think that, you know, 
whether or not this movie is poorly executed, whether or not this movie does a poor job of representing the source material, there are still messages in the movie that I think are valuable and important, especially right now. And one of them is reconciliation or reunification of disparate sides of a conflict. Seeing that there is a larger force working against all of us that we can unite against and actually in part change in our local surroundings and possibly as we do that, having larger cultural and national influence. Yeah, as we change ourselves and influence the people around us, that kind of has a balloon effect to eventually change the larger culture itself. There's the potential anyway. Absolutely. Well, those are our thoughts. Uh, we really hope that you will join us in a thoughtful and deep conversation in the comments. We hope that you take some of what we've talked about and maybe carry it into your own lives if it seems applicable. Um, we really hope that people will eschew the usual reactionary responses to things and maybe think about the role that compassion and empathy play in their own lives. Um, and if you don't want to do that, I mean, that's fine. But I really think that you're missing out if you're not gathering stories and you're not feeling compassion for other people. I think that your life will be richer if you allow yourself to put yourself in other people's shoes and to imagine stories other than your own. And I think that it would benefit us all to imagine ourselves in different scenarios and how we would react to them. Yes, it was my hope as well that listeners and followers of the show would be inspired by our conversation to meaningfully engage with the material and provide their own responses and ideas to this imaginal exercise that we have proposed for everyone. And you can either, as Jamie said, take this and apply it to your own life and the causes that are important to you, as well as responding to it in the discussions on our platforms, if you feel compelled to. But as he mentioned, we would appreciate it if people would keep it engaged and constructive. Um, I mean, everything on the internet is engaged and constructive, right? Oh, yeah. Maybe in the future we're imagining. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> Well, anyways, um, be safe out there. Stay hydrated. Be friendly when you can. Be strong when you need. And remember, we love you. That's right. We love you. Bye. See you later. Bye.